Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Ben Platt on musicals, movies, and his new TV show, The Politician. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, the main event today, Mr. Ben Platt, who is killing it everywhere these days. He's been on tour. He has a new album. He just played Radio City. He's got a TV show that's on Netflix right now that everybody's talking about called The Politician. Uh, and he is just poised for more success. He's got so many cool projects going. Had never talked to Ben before this. He'd been on the list for the last last little while, last couple of years since he popped up on my radar, uh, thanks to Dear Evan Hansen in particular. If you saw that production, if you've listened to that music, if you've heard him sing, you know why he is somebody worth chatting with. Um, he's delightful. He's, you know, self-deprecating, neurotic, fun definitely my kind of guy and uh we had a great chat as i said we you know he's a big musical theater guy really dove deep on all that stuff his early days growing up in la moving to new york pursuing acting and music landing in pitch perfect as his film debut going from book of mormon to dear evan hansen and to where he is now which is um, a super busy guy. He's really, he's just doing a little bit of everything or a lot of everything, I should say, and, and a lot more to come. We, we also mentioned this amazing project that he's already started shooting. If you don't know about this, this is, um, I mean, I don't know. if you're a film fan like me, like a film geek, you appreciate this. He's shooting the new Richard Linklater movie, which is based on the Stephen Sondheim musical, Merrily We Roll Along, which is a musical I'm not really familiar with. It was actually featured, if you remember, in Lady Bird a little bit. Um, but it takes place over the course of 18 years. So he and his buddy, Beanie Feldstein, we love Beanie, I need to get her in here too, um, are playing these roles over the course of the next 18 years, guys. And they started shooting already. They shot the first, which is actually the last scene. I don't know. That, that project in particular just intrigues me so much. So we talk a little bit about that, uh, a little bit of everything. This, uh, th this conversation was fantastic. So I know you guys will enjoy it. Also worth mentioning, um, I don't know. I don't even know where to begin. There's a lot going on in the Josh Horowitz universe. Um, if you follow me on social, you probably know I've been promoting the fact that we have launched a new series, a new digital series that I'm so proud of. The folks at Paramount Network came to me with this great idea for a show a few months back, uh, and it's called On Location. We are doing six episodes of this series, and it is basically uh, a series in which I go to iconic film locations um, associated with great classic movies with the filmmaker or the actor associated with it. And we dive deep into the history of that movie, of how it was made, how they used the locations. And if you're a film nut, you're going to you're gonna love this show. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm so in love with it. I mean, if I was not in the show, I would still love it. That's, that's a good sign. So the first episode has launched. Um, it's with Lance Reddick, uh, who you'll recognize from The Wire and so many things. And in this episode, he is talking about his association with the John Wick films. So we hung out in New York City and went to the scene of where the Continental was, was shot. We go to Central Park, where a lot of John Wick was shot. Um, and it's, it's great. It's, so it, the, the, the series is, is already live. It's on the Paramount Network's Facebook page, on the Paramount Network's YouTube page, 
go check it out. There's a fun trailer in there for the series that gives you a peek at some other episodes and the full on Lance Reddick episode, which runs about 12 minutes. That's that's sort of where we're we're uh, keeping the lengths of these episodes. So it, it's nice. It's a good length. It's it's not too short. It's not too long. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, the guests are great. The movies are great. I do an adequate job. Very proud of it. Uh, and, and soon to come, I'm, I'm so uh, infinitely proud of the guest list we've assembled. Uh, future episodes feature Kevin Smith on Quirks, Zoe Deschanel on 500 Days of Summer, M. Night Shyamalan on The Sixth Sense. We shot that in Philadelphia. It's amazing. Robert Patrick on T2 Judgment Day and our series finale, not series, I should say, season finale, because we do intend and hope to do more seasons of this, is with the legend himself, Michael Frickin' Man on Heat. So you'll hear me talking about the series as it, as it uh, comes out in the weeks to come, but the first episode is out there already. Please check it out, support it. I hope we get to do a lot more of these, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed making them. Uh, beyond that, what I mean, there's a lot. There's a, a lot going on, guys. I saw The Irishman. I could talk for 15 minutes about that. That's an epic movie um, from Martin Scorsese that I just loved. There is. I think we're going to have a podcast with somebody associated with The Irishman pretty soon, at least before the award season is done. So don't want to jinx that, but some someone very cool. Um, what else? New York Comic Con. I've been covering the last few days. I moderated the panel for. Uh, Servant, which is the new uh, Apple TV Plus series from M. Night Shyamalan. been spending a lot of quality time with M. Night Shyamalan, guys, which is good because not only is he a talented uh, a storyteller, he's a very sweet guy, and uh, yeah, he's the best. Anyway, we did a, a really fun uh, panel at Hammerstein Ballroom here in New York the other night, and uh, that show is freaky. <laughs> it's great, though. I watched the first two episodes. It launches November 28th. It's, uh, it stars Lauren Ambrose and Toby Kebbell, um, Rupert Grint, and it's about basically a couple in who's dealing with a big loss uh, in their family, and um, some freaky stuff happens in their townhouse in Philadelphia. Ten episodes, 30 minutes each, a lot of twists and turns, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, two episodes well worth your time. Check it out in, uh, I guess, about, what, two months. Um, what else? Joker's out. I highly recommend that. I've seen that twice. <sighs> a lot going on. Uncut Gems. I just did a really cool conversation with the Safdie brothers and Adam Sandler for that. That's going to be coming to MTV's uh, you know, digital channels in uh, a little closer to release. Busy time for your friend Josh Horowitz, guys, but all good. I hope I hope you guys uh, are enjoying all the content that I've been creating. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with the great Ben Platt. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe. Spread the good word of Happy, Sad, Confused. And uh, without any further ado, let's go to my chat with Ben. As you can tell, Ben... It doesn't get much more casual than this. Yeah, it's nice. Um, welcome to my weird little office in downtown New York. No problem. Um, I'm a big fan of yours. I've wanted Thanks. to be here for a long, long while. So, uh, And now's the perfect time because you have a thousand things to talk about. Quite a few. More than I even realized. That's also terrifying. What, you feel a, a face mash of Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence? That's your definition of terrifying? I just, <laughs> what? I just really got... Oh, but it's okay. It's it's. There's an I Love Ladybird next to it, so we're good. There is. There is. There's a head from Frank. There's a weird Michael Shannon thing. There's 
There's a lot of sensory input for you. There's a lot. Um, where to begin? I, I want a disclaimer for those listening. As always, this is the same kind of message I, I gave when I had Jesse Eisenberg on. You're going to hear two very fast-talking Jewy guys. Mm-hmm. So just slow your you know, settings Yeah, a do that bit. thing where it's like f- minus 15 times or something. I'm kind of serious. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it could get really uh, intense for you. Um, so, okay. So let's talk, first of all, just let, like set, set the scene here. Uh, you have Politician, which is excellent. Congratulations. Thank you very Netflix. much. You have the album out. You've been touring. Uh, you did Radio City. Okay, so let's start with Radio City. Yeah, that's a good place to start. That's the thing that just happened. Yeah, so that's a, a bucket list moment. To the nines version <laughs> of that. Yeah, I, I toured um, my album, Sing to Me Instead, all through the spring, and then the kind of end pinnacle finish of that first cycle was this show at, at Radio City that we also f- uh, taped for a Netflix special. Now, you're obviously by now something of like a, a born performer. Like this is what you do. Um, but Radio City is, is Radio City. It's Radio City. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's, I'm sure it was filled with friends and family. I saw a lot of Instagram people from, you know, mutual friends like you know, Zoe Deutsch and stuff like mm-hmm. that that were out there. Um, so what do you feel like when you step on that stage? Is it a different kind of feeling than when you're doing Evan Hansen or another concert? Yes, it was very special. I mean, in doing any concert as myself and singing my own music is already very different than being in Evan or being in any piece of musical theater or uh, anything like where I'm playing a different character. There's yeah. just a much more freedom and a boundarylessness and also like a lot more pressure on my shoulders to navigate the evening and sort of sculpt it as I want to because I'm not really feeling any preconceived slot. Sure. Um, but this one was particularly special because I, I mean, I love New York and radio cities where I had the Tonys and like, that was a very special space. And I hadn't really been back since then. I went back for one other Tonys just to present, but for me, it's always that space is just like the Tonys land. So it's like a very hallowed room. So to like own it as my own for like a couple hours was really amazing. And all of my friends and family, like you said, came out. How long do you obsess for? Like, what am I going to wear for a night like that? Long time. (laughs) Long time what I'm going to wear. I have an amazing stylist, Jason Rembert, who knocked it out of the park, who's been knocking it out of the park, because I've been having to wear, like, seven, eight things a week, because we've got all these different events, and apparently it's, like, blasphemy to wear the same thing twice. you got to burn it. How dare you? (laughs) Um, But he did a really great job of listening to, like, what do I need to be comfortable and actually move around and, like, do the show, but, like, also look good for all of the many Netflix cameras in everyone's faces. Sure, sure. So that's going to be a Netflix special at some TBD day. Yes. Hopefully, like, beginning of next year or end of this year, something like that. Amazing. Uh, did you break down at all? I mean, did you keep it together for the... I kept it together. I yeah. cried a little at the end when I sing a song called Older as the finale, and I have a moment where I get to just listen, I, and I put the mic out to the crowd, which is an artist's favorite thing to do when they're too tired to sing. <laughs> What's the secret? And, yeah. It's not about engaging the no, audience. No, it's they're not just to real. hear the lyrics. No, but really, listening to the all of Radio City sing that was really oh my God. pretty I can, special. I can only imagine. Um so you're 26. Yes. Newly 26. As of next week. I mean, last week. <laughs> Forgive him. He is a lot. What time? Out. Yeah. What? I don't know what state we're in. <laughs> you're in New York. <laughs> you're home. You're adopted home. Do you feel like a, a young 26 or an old 26? Both. I feel like an old 26 because I started working when I was nine and then I started living as an adult when I was like 18. Right. Um, but I feel young 26 in the sense that there wasn't a lot of windows in there to have like escapades and like recklessness and youth and things like that. So I think, and I also didn't go to college, so I didn't have that particular experience. Luckily I've had kind of social stand-ins as far as like living on location on a film with a bunch of young people or working on a TV show or making a musical. And like, I've had my versions of it, but I, but I do feel like young in some ways. Have have there been 
like what are there times where you feel like you have missed out on anything where you're like, oh wait, that would have actually been nice to do the the college thing or whatever, the, the traditional prom thing or whatever. I think just having like a, a extended period of time where my well being on a physical level doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Like I've that never the show doesn't rest on your shoulders. Literally, yeah. High, yeah I just of people since I was out of high school, I haven't had more than like a few weeks at a time where like I haven't been constantly in terror of my vo- vocal health and like physical health. Um, but other than that, no, I think I have had enough experiences where I don't feel too, too sad. So uh, I was joking about sort of like the, um, the stereotypical, uh, neurotic fast talking Jews that we, we are. Mm. Well, how do you, how do you fit the stereotypes? Are you a hypochondriac? Major hypochondriac. <laughs> I go to lots of doctors to tell me things. I once woke up with a bump on the back of my neck and was convinced it was horribly, terribly cancerous. And then I went to a doctor like really urgently, the, like an hour later and he took one look at me and he goes, that's a pimple. And then I went home, um, which is almost as bad. I, it's know, almost, yeah, that's pretty I know it's the same wheelhouse, <laughs> but I, I'm a big proponent of like, even though I know it's nothing checking it so that from a peace of mind that I can be told is nothing, but oh, very much hypochondriac, very anxious, bad flyer. Uh, I hate flying. I fly all the time. As I'm sure you do. And I still, I I, I just don't like it. I I have said before, I would give up like one of my favorite foods. Like I would give up like ice cream for life. Yeah. If I could just just like never were to get on on, on a flight or that. Yeah. Like I have to go to Boston tonight for press for politician and I'm driving because I'm just like, I would rather spend four and a half hours in the car than 45 minutes in a plane. Without a doubt. Or the train. Um, Um, So how do you cope with, with flying? Um, do, do, do the drugs help? I they have some drugs. They yes, they do help me. Okay. In Congress, with usually when I have a buddy, it's nice. I just went on a press tour for yeah. politician to like Brazil and London, and it was like three like super long, hefty flights in a row, and right. was very apprehensive. But I went with Zoe Deutsch, who's my co-star and good friend, and she was a really helpful ally and like played games with me and distracted me and talked to me and. It was, it was nice. Are you as obsessed with food as... I think Zoe Deutsch might be the best foodie she, I know. Like, literally, I was in Dallas shooting uh, like for one week. And I was like, I, j- I have one night off and I need somewhere to eat. She sent me like a three-page dissertation of all the spots in do. Dallas that I should be having lunch, dinner, like going f- to shopping. Like she just knows everything. It is so funny you say that. So I literally just did a shoot in London and I put out like on Instagram or something. I'm going to London, any recommendations? And she literally sent me... A document. A document. <laughs> <laughs> Fully. We had one eight hour free afternoon in Brazil and that was our only free time in Brazil and she filled it like from top to bottom we went to like the municipal market we went to like this amazing restaurant for lunch we went like to this cool street that has all this like street art that she somehow knew about like she just she's very well researched and she makes the most of every experience I want to pitch Zoe doing a, a food show she does too she, that's she what really she wants yeah she wants to do like a search for the best pasta around the world okay, situation I'm going to talk to her about this I need to get in on this I mean well, I think we all want to see it right and she's so embedded in the Netflix family into this point that like it's, it's only a matter series. of time yeah totally um, let's see what other stereotypes so um, you're you're rail thin you have to be in great shape but food obsessed still like does it it's still always like very food obsessed and from both from a Jewish perspective of like I want to eat all the time and from like an actor <laughs> perspective of like I have to stay small and I'm playing I'm always playing young kids and I'm always you know wearing tight outfits that are like very tailored within an inch of my life so certainly that one I think I also like the sharing your emotions and like wearing them on your sleeve stereotype I definitely do that and like want to talk about it and it's like John Mulaney has that bit about his girlfriend where she's like I don't have to worry about if she's hungry because she'll say I'm hungry (laughs) um and I feel I definitely do that oh Leah Thompson speaking of Zoe Deutsch um um, He's referencing the Back to the Future poster. I'm so Leah sorry. Thompson is not actually in my office. <laughs> just, yeah, just hanging out in the corner. Hey, Leah. Um, 
that stereotype i mean from family being very important is definitely that cultural aspect of it and did you guys did you guys celebrate christmas like my family did actually like christmas christmas like not christmas Christmas, but we did we had a tree growing up and we did oh no we didn't have a tree we did hanukkah yeah which is like slightly better and slightly worse because it's like multiple nights of presents but then none of them can ever be like that intense because there's so many nights yeah, of them sometimes you'd rather just have the big yeah just nintendo like, play you know playstation or whatever yeah. instead of like a 20 dollar trinket exactly <laughs> but it makes a, the whole week exciting this is true but uh, you missed out on christmas songs then perhaps. yeah well we we listened to coast 103.5 in la when during christmas because they always play like for six weeks it's only christmas music and we can all ad- admit as jews that the music is better for for, we, for the christmas yeah, so we have no good hanukkah music. <laughs> well i'm it's talking like, about sam tomorrow he's he's, he's got a good hanukkah yeah song. that's true that's a funny one but there's no like pretty like Ernest, driving yeah. in the car like you know walking in a winter, winter wonderland whatever it's no. like it's like Hanukkah, Hanukkah, dreidel, 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 and like <laughs> klezmer music. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is your next album. I forget the holiday Christmas it's, album. Oh wow, it's a Hanukkah holiday standards. Hanukkah. Look, this wow, is, this is territory that's not been mined. Exactly. Mm-hmm. A very limited, but but untapped market. <laughs> <laughs> but the people that buy it will buy a ten for every family member. That's true. And the Jews are very reliable patronage. <laughs> so that's true. Um, I was, you know. I, I didn't realize at first, I mean, I should have, uh, when I started to like dig into the life of Ben Platt, uh, you're not a New Yorker. You mm-hmm. actually grew up in LA. I feel like you're part of the tribe of New York. That too. means a lot to me because that's all I've ever wanted. So I'm happy <laughs> to be here now. And I always knew that I wanted to be here as soon as I was able to, as soon as I finished high school, I moved here and I've been based here since. So what was it growing up that you saw here that said, I, I got to get to that place? Theater was the first thing. Cause that was just my passion growing up. And that was like the superficial reason that I wanted to be there. And then I realized like energetically, I just drive a lot better with it. It's just as frenetic and neurotic as I am. So that is very calming to me. And it's a lot more, I find as an artist, generally a little bit more concerned with merit and ability and work ethic than it is with like appearance and networking and such. Not to say that that doesn't exist here. It certainly does, but, but it's just a little bit easier on the soul. And I find that you can decide at any given time if you want to feel like totally inundated and surrounded and part of something or completely anonymous and isolated totally and in LA I feel like it, it's hard to feel part of a bigger because it's so disparate and spread out so like it's hard to feel like part of one unit yeah but in New York everything is like no it's connected. true it's all it's also yeah I always say I because I grew up here like I and I go to LA and I like it I totally enjoy it but yeah like, I love spending chunks of time there especially with a particular job to do I just I don't think I could have that be this permanent spot and I also worry like I would become like a hermit like mm-hmm. somewhere else like I would go into my little cave forever and here I, cl- I have to collide with things and I have exactly. to react and, and it creates energy and, and excitement where I might just die on my couch alone totally forever with my wife nearby <laughs> <laughs> um, okay so the, 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 the folklore about Ben Platt is that you kind of knew what you want to do since six, basically. Yeah. I have a feeling this is more than folklore, though. This, there's probably substantiation. There's probably video substantiation of this. There's video proof, photo proof. <laughs> always doing musicals in my backyard. Always doing, like, a youth theater program as many times as possible. And, yeah, I mean, as soon as I had any kind of, like, autonomy, it was just, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to spend my time. This is where I feel the happiest. Did... So your dad, obviously a very well-regarded, well-known producer. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you realize like what he, what that even meant? A lot of people still don't know what a producer does. <laughs> like when you were growing up, what was, what did, what did dad going to work mean? I don't you? think I understood like the nuance of the job until I was really like 16, 17, 18, like yeah. really able to understand like what makes a great producer and why he's a great producer. 
I more so just thought my dad makes, creates amazing things, particularly wicked. Like I, as a, you know, I was, let's see, 2003, I was like 12 or yep. 11. So watching the like spectacle and like unbelievable magic of that and like thinking like, and remembering like hearing workshop CDs of it in the car like yeah. with my dad and watching him shepherd it all. I think I was very fascinated by that and just knew that he was doing special magical things. But then as I became a teenager and then adult, I realized like, what is it that he actually does that m makes it so that all the things he's working on seem to be fantastic. Did you spend much time on what about film sets? Like, were you on film sets much growing up? A bit. I, I, I we'd always visit like once to reach project just to get a yeah. sense of the world he was in. It wasn't the kind of thing where we were going all the time. Yeah. Like I got a taste of each thing mm. um, because well, it's uh, his space, you know, and also we are kids in school and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was much more deal. interested in going to Wicked and being backstage yeah. and seeing it like 20 sometimes and having him like get me backstage at Thoroughly Modern Millie to meet Gavin Creel. And <laughs> like that was the stuff that I thought was cool. I mean, it's such a relief in a way that like, thank God your talent matched your ambition. Yeah. Like it was seriously, like if you imagine having, and this happens for a lot of people, actually, for sure. like the, the ambition and the want is there, but not the, I think my parents wouldn't have been as supportive and as gung ho if they saw that that wasn't the case. But I think as soon as they saw that I really had to take a crack at it as yeah. well as how much I loved it, then they were incredibly supportive. Do you remember, I think I read somewhere where you were like, you performed at the Hollywood bowl at mm -hmm. like nine. That was my first job. Okay, so that's, a, again, okay, so it makes sense that you're at 26 at Radio City. Yeah, it was a good start. It was a good start. <laughs> a good start. Do you remember being nervous? Do you remember anything about that? I remember getting, panicking the night before the audition and like and being like, I wanted, I don't want to do this. I changed my mind and crying. And I think my parents recognized that it was just like a last minute freak out sure. and that I did really want to do it. So as soon as I went into the room, I, I, it was great and I right. loved it. And then the, the, the doing of it, I loved. I just yeah. loved that it was all adults and they're all taken so seriously and that... I, I like I found that they had the attitude that I had had about all my youth musicals, except that no one around me also had had, had that because it was a bunch of kids who were like doing it as an after school right thing and like having goldfish and stuff. But like I was like, you know, really invested, so it was exciting. Well, it's funny you say that also about like you know having the freak out before, but once you were out there feeling great because I, I don't know about you. You know, and I perform in a different kind of level, uh, way, obviously. But like uh, for me, I feel like once I'm in it, I'm okay. A hundred percent. But it's the anticipation and like the mind games and like all of that, and even also post mortem too. I I overthink it. Is that still the case for you? Has that is that relatable to you at all? One hundred percent, particularly the preamble. Like I leading up to Radio City all day on Sunday, it was like a little bit of torture of just like oh like. Do I suddenly feel a tickle in my throat? Like right. what's oh like my friend just texted me that he's not coming. What are, who's going to sit in those seats? Like and and like being just nervous about like is, are the lights going to come on at the right time? And like did did we go over the opening well enough? And like will my ears crap out on me and I won't be able to hear and like my inner ear. And then as soon as I get on stage and start the first song, it's like free and and easy and all the anxieties kind of fall away and there's just no choice but to be present which yes. is not my forte generally in life I'm, I'm always someone in my head or thinking forward or backward but like there's no choice when performing but to be there which i think is probably why i like it the most that's the that's the that's for me when i'm doing like something on camera from doing like a hosting something is like if i suddenly the, the the third eye comes in above me watching the interview watching the event and then i'm like i'm out of that moment that you, you there's no you can't let that ever happen when you're doing your evan hansen can no you? No, and if you do go on autopilot, you pay for it because you start, you suddenly forget where you are, and then you blank out on a line, and then you know you, it's all your fault. But, and also that role just requires a lot of being present in your body, and right. So I, I never really could. 
So, so going back to when you were a kid and so you have that, that, that kind of freak out, which is natural. Do you go out on like a, a, a lot of auditions, like for TV and film things and theater? I mean, what were you doing? Was a- Yeah. As soon as I started working properly, I started auditioning for lots of theater and doing, I did like three, four musicals at the Hollywood Bowl. I did uh, the tour of Carolina Change uh, and had a lot of success as a kid in theater. I was going out for TV and film things like here and there, but just none of them yeah. happened. I think just... That wasn't in my muscles really yet, and I didn't really understand the difference. And yep. um, I was mostly just working in the theater. And then for high school, I sort of stopped cold and really just went to high school right. uh, and didn't do, do any kind of working or anything outside of being there and just doing the musicals there, which for me were the highest stakes musicals I had ever done because, like, when you're in high school, the musical is everything. Yes. Um, Not to yeah. mention, you probably went to a school where there were a lot of very talented... Yes, I went to Harvard-Westlake right. where I met Beanie Feldstein right. and Catherine Gallagher and, um, you know, a lot of really, really talented uh, people who are now working actors. Um, so uh, our Pippin was very important and our <laughs> yeah, Into the Woods was sure. very important. Yeah. Um, okay, wait, speaking of Beanie, we have to talk about Beanie, and that reminds me, uh, I, the one chewy thing I didn't get into was bar and bat mitzvahs. Mm. This is important. Very. Um, I actually was never bar mitzvah. I'm a Jew. I'm like the wow. least Jewish horowitz you've ever met. That's, uh, I know. I that's mean, a tough ashamed. one. You might have to have an adult bar mitzvah. <laughs> I'm, look, I've always said, if, if I have money troubles, you never know. Yeah, that's a good way. I mean, um, so did you have a theme for your bar mitzvah? Yes, I'll give you, I'll give you a wild guess as to what it was. <laughs> Just broadly musicals? Or uh-huh, it? musical theater. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, every table listening. was a playbill. Uh, like the centerpiece was a 3D playbill. I was at the Wicked table. Uh, <laughs> my entrance was, I sang Walk Like a Man as Frankie Valley, and my two brothers and my dad were the other four seasons, and we wore matching blazers. The 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 table cards were like tickets, and there were ushers that would show you to your table. Sure. Um, Why is this not the Netflix special? This is, forget honestly, concert, I man. don't this know. Is... I should just release my Vermits for footage. <laughs> um that was about it. Yeah, I wore a cream suit and a purple shirt, purple tie. Oh my god, that's mm-hmm. amazing. With braces. Um, that sounds like a dream come true. It By was. that time, did you know no Beanie? I know you met no. her at a bat mitzvah. Right? We hadn't met yet. We met like shortly thereafter at another at a mutual friend's bat mitzvah, during which we spent the entire time sitting in the cocktail area because we that's where we met during at the like the pre party talking about musical theater, and then everybody went into the actual bat mitzvah, and we stayed outside and just spoke, talked to each other, and missed right. the whole bat mitzvah because we were just falling madly in love. And um, our friend, whose bat mitzvah was Allison, like, still is, you know, it's not thrilled that we <laughs> missed the bat mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was like, it, was, it was a big day for me. <laughs> um, Do you guys have similar, because even within, look, to love musicals, you can have particular tastes. Mm-hmm. You can be a Sondheim fan or not, or et cetera. Do you share, like, do you have major disagreements about musicals? It's rare. I mean, we have different favorites, uh, but we both worship Sondheim. We both really love, like, Fun Home, and we both love String Awakening. And I think we have very similar, like, times of being brought up and, and like, uh, very similar, like, canons. Like, yeah. we went dressed as Glee characters together for Halloween. Like, we have a lot of the similar, of the same references. So generally, we line up pretty well. She she probably has a more special relationship with Funny Girl than I do because that was, like, her her thing growing up. Like, my Wizard of Oz was sort of my childhood thing, and for her, it was Fanny Bryce. And if you look at her Twitter photo, it's just her in the leopard Fanny Bryce coat, and that was her invitation to her third birthday. And it was, like... <laughs> Hello, gorgeous was the invitation. It's unbelievable. I love it. But yeah, mostly lineup. Amazing. Um, I know we're jumping around, but since we're talking about Beanie and we're talking sure. about musicals, uh, 
can we just talk about the Linklater? Project? Yeah, of course. It's, I mean, I'm so excited for this. I, I confess, I don't know this musical too well. It's a Sondheim, yes. Merrily we Roll Along. I think I know it mostly from Lady Bird. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Where Beanie played the role that she is now playing in the movie. I mean, insane. Mm-hmm. So uh, for those that don't know, this is a project that it sounds insane, but it actually makes sense given yes. the nature of the material is that you're shooting this over the course of, I think, 18 years. Yes. Um, and you've already started shooting. And you're yeah, gonna, we shot yeah. the first sequence. I mean, most people, like you're saying, are just hearing that it's 18 years and that it's Richard Linklater, which is, I mean, in and of itself, very exciting. And yeah. Boyhood was brilliant. And but the the thing that a lot of people who don't know the piece don't understand is like what a brilliant marriage of concept to piece this is, and how it's like really solving an age old problem in a piece that the musical theater community has always loved, but has always been kind of innately flawed right. because it's about 18 years of friendship with three people who start as these really naive college friends who meet on a roof who are like ideological and, and, and in love with each other. And then through the business and success and lack thereof, they've become very jaded and grow apart and some of them sell out and some of them don't. And, yeah. and then the show uh, happens in reverse. So right. you, the first scene is them at their oldest, most jaded. And then the, the finale of the, of the show is them meeting on the rooftop. And so actors doing it on stage usually are playing a little too old, playing a little too young. There's a bit of a suspension of disbelief necessary and there's a bit of disingenuous feeling in the book always a little bit, even though it's always brilliant and the score is one of Sondheim's most beautiful scores. So I think to see them really grow in reverse is going to be like incredibly emotionally powerful. And so we've, we shot the first, which is actually the last scene uh, this summer. So talk to me about that though. I mean, you've shot the finale Mm -hmm. of this 18 year project and like, that's a lot of weight. Like when you step on set, you're like, okay, we have to like, this is it. I have to build out like in my head what's happened before, even though it comes after. That's like a kind of a head trip. But the thing is, the 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 sort of joy of it is that we don't have to build anything out because none of it's happened. Right. And we, because we're going to live it in real time in our lives as we grow, the we've talked a lot about this with Rick. The main goal every time we come back together every two or three years, depending on the increments of the show, yeah. is just to be as much in our current selves as possible because we will have grown, you know, four or three for four years. Sure. Um, so it was really freeing. It was just sort of like be your most youthful sort of ideological self and just enjoy this moment and right. revel in it. And then we get to grow apart in real time. And then we get to see horrible, jaded Ben Platt in 18 years mm-hmm. at 40 in his mid 40s. Exactly. Well, Charlie's the one that sticks to his guns and okay. actually artistically remains pretty um, uh, has a lot of integrity. Got it. Okay. So you've got, so is, is, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't know. I want to experience it. <laughs> um, I guess this is your first full-on traditional movie musical. Like, I mean, Pitch Perfect is its own kind right. of thing. Yeah, no, I guess you're right, yes. Yeah. So where it's like sort of singing within the world. Yeah, it totally is. I, I, hopefully the first of... There will be several, hopefully, that come out before this 18-year one comes out. Yeah, I mean, how, we, how are you not in Cats? How are you not in West Side Story? Ben, Nobody approached me about Cats. I uh, auditioned for West Side Story and didn't get the part. Okay, um, sorry to bring up a That's okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> I've had a lot of blessings, and some things just don't go your way, and I'm, I can't wait to see it. Steven Spielberg is I mean, come on. brilliant, and... Tried my tried my darndest um, for Ansel's role for the, uh, the Ansel's for, role yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and what do, what do you what do you make of Cats the most controversial subject on the planet you film? know I think to the theater community that knows Cats it was like not as shocking of a thing I mean if they still the, the the visuals require some adapting and getting used to but it's Cats like it looks like Cats Cats is like a crazy musical about a bunch of cats meeting each other and singing about each other and has no stories so like that's what the trailer looked yeah, like I mean you signed up for Cats guys yeah that's what it is so I'm excited to see it I've heard from some inside lines that it's actually really works and that it like stands up and is a good version so I'm excited to see it amazing uh, I promise we're getting we're getting to the politician but we're, we're going all over the place 
Waste some money. Okay, so um, uh, Pitch Perfect. He, well, actually, no, we, we should talk first. Uh, wait, what, Pitch Perfect or Dear Evan Hansen? Which came first? Pitch now? Perfect was kind of the first. Okay. So Pitch Perfect um, is kind of the first film role yes. officially, right? Yeah. Um, and it kind of couldn't fit you more to a T. Like, again, if we're charting out, like, the Ben Platt success story, this is, like, kind of perfect. It was a good phase A of the character that eventually became Evan Hansen, really. Did it feel... So you've, by then, you've done hundreds of hours on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, did being on a film set in that capacity feel as comfortable, or was there a learning curve? A little bit of a learning curve. The nice thing was that, A, it was, had musical numbers in it, so I felt comfortable because there was a rehearsal process, and I was used to the feeling of that and it felt it was a lot of actors who were also in the theater or were musical in some way yeah so it felt like a comfortable social environment but it certainly was a learning curve of like acting on camera and what the what that life is like and how those days actually go and because it was jason moore directing who was comes largely from the theater as well it was very helpful and he could speak to me in a way that i really understood and yeah. helped me make that transition and so soon thereafter comes book of mormon i believe yes right That's- very much because of Pitch Perfect. Uh, Allison Jones, who's a brilliant casting director, yeah. saw me and uh, which, which, by the way, she's not related to Pitch Perfect or Book of Mormon. She's just awesome and looking out for actors. She saw me in Pitch Perfect and reached out to Scott Rudin and said, "Have you seen Pitch Perfect? I think this kid would make a great Elder Cunningham, which yeah. is the Josh Gad role because they were looking for new guys." And so I got to go in, and then I got to do it. And so you do it in Chicago first, and yes, and, and, and you get to make it a little bit your own. You're obviously a different kind of type than Josh Gad. Hundred percent. I think in the audition process, I was going in, and I was the only one who was there that wasn't a, a lot like Josh Gad. Who yeah. wasn't in their mid thirties, who wasn't a bigger guy, who sure. wasn't a brunette guy. Um, and so I just kept thinking, like, this is cool that I'm even getting to do this. Like, there's no way. And then they just kept having me back and back and back. And I was like, this is weird that they're still letting me do this over and over again. And then they put me in it. And I think because we were starting a new company in Chicago and we were able to start from the ground up. And, like, because when you are doing a new company, obviously, everything is set very much so as far as the blocking's the same, yes. the set's the same, costumes are the same. But you do get to learn it from start to finish with a whole new group of people. Right. And the creative team is there and giving notes and is involved. So I was able to start from square one. Uh, and I think everyone was a little bit apprehensive because you don't really want to mess with a formula that works as well as Book of Mormon. Yeah. But I think as soon as we got in front of an audience and people saw that my version had a lot of validity to it, then it was great. When you mentioned like starting up with a new company, it just brings up a, a random kind of thought. Like, is there, is there an analogy to be made between like the camaraderie between like a theater company and the, someone that makes a film together? I mean, is it, is it, it must be a stronger, different kind of a thing for a theater group. than Theater is very special because yeah. there's, there's just so much trust involved uh, when you're out there in front of people and, and you're kind of left to your own devices. It's so much more an actor's medium because yeah. no one is editing it after the fact. No one's curating it after the fact. Certainly you've been directed beforehand, but... But by it's, the time you get out there, it's it belongs like you're in it to together. You. It's like you guys. You're holding each other up. Yeah. And also, you're it, 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 it like inevitably, no matter what the structure of the story or who's on stage more or whatever, you're all a family together because you're all there for rehearsals all together. You're all there every night to do the show together. Yeah. In a film, you can do a film with someone and never meet them. Like I did it, you know what I mean? Like I, I did Ricky and the Flash that Audrey McDonald was also in. And I love Audrey McDonald. And thankfully, I've gotten to meet her through Broadway channels. But I, I never interacted with her once. And we were in a film sure. together. So... It's that's one of the things I love the most about theater, and that's what I really loved about Politician is because I was an executive producer, I was able to kind of try to foster that sort of a community, particularly for the young cast, the nine regulars who are all in a similar walk of life, yep. uh, and really make time for us to be a community and get together and and feel like familial and like part of one piece. Uh, it's almost like you have producing in your blood or something. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, 
uh, Pasek and Paul um, notice you. They reach out to you. This leads to workshops for Dear Evan Hansen. Mm -hmm. So in the first initial workshops of that like did that did what we saw finally on on the broadway stage did it resemble it a lot like yes i yeah. mean it, certainly any musical particularly a new musical from scratch that's not based on anything which is like one of the bravest things i think you can do is yeah. make a brand new musical takes a lot of forms and changes like crazy the probably the most remarkable thing is that like seven or eight of the songs were there day one so wow. like waving through a window if i could tell her uh only us um uh, uh, sincerely me a lot of those songs were just in the script from day one the big broad strokes of the story always there yeah. lies he you know he gets more confident because of it and then the, the, he becomes a viral celebrity-ish and then the parents find out and it's terrible yeah. so like it, it was it stayed very much it was always special from day one but they really I think the biggest overarching change from like the first reading to like what we finally all saw is that it became a lot more about Evan in particular. It right. was that when I first came in, it was sort of about these greater issues of like depression and suicide and anxiety and online virality and like yep. faking who you are online and all that with the backdrop of that being the story of this kid. And yes. then it kind of got reversed and became, this is a story of one particular kid and through the specificity of his story and this particular character will learn deep things about all these greater issues. Which in retrospect is such a clearly the right yeah. way, which is why people connect with that exactly. story in such a profound way. Uh, and why everyone's you know blubbering as much as you are on stage <laughs> watching that show. I was I was privileged to see you on uh, in that production too, and it was yeah remarkable. Not enough can be said about it. Thank you. Um, you were on stage for like a, about a year. What, how long were you doing that one? We did well. We did a DC production for like three months and an off Broadway production for about three four months. A Broadway run. I was there for about exactly a year. Crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, I know like literally everybody who was anybody who visited you. You've talked about the Beyonce story. Sure. Uh, I've heard that was a huge moment. Uh, my important question is, do you exchange info with Beyonce? Do you say, now that you've acknowledged that you're a fan, let's keep this going? <laughs> no, I just felt way too afraid to ask. And also, I, I bet she doesn't even have her own phone right. number at this point. Like, she doesn't operate the same way we do. No, she lives a different, special, <laughs> goddess-like life. Um, but it was a great connector for a lot of creatives and people sure. that I've yeah. always wanted to meet or to work with or even just like look in the face, like Manny Patinkin came and I got to tell him that like George and Sunday the Park with George is my favorite performance of all time. And sure. It was, it was a special time. D did Ryan Murphy meet you? Is that how you met Ryan? That is how he came uh, to the show in a gorgeous fur coat. <laughs> and then he came backstage after and came bursting in my dressing room and he was like, we've got to work together. We've got to make something together. This is fantastic. And I think he was really moved by me and the show. And I was like, that's great, but you're Ryan Murphy. So, yeah. you know, maybe you'll put me on American Horror Story. Like, that'd be great. <laughs> and then, like, three weeks later, he texted me, like, when are you in L.A. next? And I said, I'm on vacation next month for a week from the show. He's like, we're going to have a meal because I have a project to pitch you. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, oh, that was fast. <laughs> and so we had to <laughs> This is not the way it's supposed to happen. You're <laughs> yeah. supposed to lie to me and we never meet again. Yeah, and then I have to, like, come <laughs> test or something. And he, at that first meal that we ever had together, laid out very specifically and exactly, this is going to be called The Politician. The character's name is Peyton Hobart. This is the reasons he's different from the characters you've played. This is why you should play him. You should executive produce for these reasons. You should have Gwyneth play your mother. And it's going to be this kind of a tone and this kind of a look. And it's going to be on Netflix. And we're going to release it at this time. And wow. the concept is five seasons, but we're going to start with two and see how people respond. And he just, I mean, he just has such a clear, clear vision. I think that's why he's so prolific is that he actualizes all these big ideas. That's amazing. Um, he, and this definitely feels like of the, the, the Ryan Murphy world, like, you know, if you've dug any of his other stuff, you're going to, this feels like kind of like out of his veins in some mm -hmm. way, in some ways. Um, 
this amazing ensemble of young and established actors. Wild. Um, so do you have, as an executive producer, like, did you contribute ideas on the casting front? Yes. I mean, Alexa Fogel was the casting director and she's bar none, like the, the most brilliant casting director. And she found incredible gems and diamonds in the rough, like Ronnie Jones and Julia Schleffer and, yeah. you know, all these people. But I certainly was able to at least throw my hat in the ring and, and like, particularly with Zoe Deutsch, who was someone that I have been a huge fan of and who we had read together for a film that I was doing that I tried desperately to get her cast in that didn't work out. And I was just determined every moment after that to make something work where we could start working together. And as soon as I read the script and people started coming in for Infinity, I was like, I really think the only actor who can turn this into something special and different is, is Zoe. And yeah, so people I need to stop sleeping on Zoe. Don't I agree. Mean, She's a on. movie <laughs> star. And I, and I, you know, I called her and begged her, please. I know you're going to have to read because it's, you know, it's Ryan and you've right. never met. So, but just please just, I promise you, like, he's going to be as blown away as I always am. Right. And of course she went in and after 10 minutes booked it. Um, and then, the, so Gwyneth was already part and parcel. Gwyneth was already there. Lucy just was one of the people auditioning. And I, of course, among others, was very much a proponent of her and yeah. saying, you know, she's a huge star too. And we got to get her as well. Um, David Carnsweat was coming in for Ricardo, which is the other role, yeah. which I always thought was sort of strange. And I kind of kept saying, you know, like, why is this guy not a river? Why is this not a river? And, you know, I think they really were into like, we're going to get like a Timmy Chalamet or like a Lucas or someone like that. And I was like, I don't know that that's really going to happen, but I appreciate you aiming really high. And then eventually, finally, they're like, you know what? This good David, we're going to have him come in and read for oh, River. Guys. And I was like, that sounds good to me. Uh, and he's the most wonderful person. And now, of course, he's starring in Ryan's other show. Right. Um, so you've shot, yeah. you shot all, obviously the first season's out there right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and you haven't shot anything of season two yet, but we, we start the 29th of October. Oh, amazing. Really soon. And if you watch through the end of the season, you'll see sort of where it's headed and some of the very, very specifically and where it's headed. Yeah. Uh, and there's a whole five year potential plan for this. If it all goes into plan. Theoretically, who knows? I mean, Netflix is a very tight lipped about everything, but all I know for now is that we are making the second season and I get to make it here at home in New York. So that's I'm perfect. Very happy about that. Yeah. You're all about these like long term, like 18 year projects, five year projects. There's going to be no room for like actual spontaneity i know the, the, the one issue is that I, I i can't find pockets to do come back to broadway or to come do anything i was gonna in, say in the theater. yeah and i'm dying to and i have so many different ideas of things i want to do but it's you need at least a good five six months to do even a limited run so i'm just desperate to find the window for that best movie musical of all time <sighs> jesus christ <laughs> um i warmed you up and now i just deliver like the hard stuff What's the one you've watched the most? What's I would the... say it's a it's a it's a really really close tie of West Side Story and, and uh, Cabaret. They're both those are two worthy, brilliant, and they both just are improved upon by like you know what I mean. They're yeah. neither is afraid to shift the adaptation in order to make it work on screen. I think things that stay too faithful sometimes falter yes. because of that. Um, but yeah, that's I, I don't think you can pick one of those. They're so different, but they're both brilliant. Is there one that you're shocked hasn't been either redone or or done in recent years? Um, so when I, I always mention Guys and Dolls. I'm like shocked. Yeah, we, should, we, could, we could see another Guys and Dolls. That'd be fun. Yeah. I have a soft spot for that one. I know Marlon Brando gets a lot of shit for his I played Sky Masterson three times and, and Nathan Detroit once in my upbringing, <laughs> even though clearly I'm a Nathan. Um, and one of the Sky Mastersons was in Hebrew at summer camp. Amazing. Um, yeah. And I always think Little Shop, but I think they're doing Little Shop. So yeah. That's I'm going to see Jonathan Groff's doing it now. Oh, and the movie. You're, isn't your dad uh, producing the movie? He is indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If it ever gets. I mean. Wait, why are you not Seymour? I'm going to try my best like I always do. <laughs> <laughs> You've got an in there and the talent okay. to back it up. I'll do what I can. <laughs> um, that would intrigue you, though? That would be a fun oh, one. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, that's like in the canon, and I, you know, yeah. it's definitely in the family of Evan and, yeah. and Cunningham. And, 
and these I kn- down on their luck Nebuchadnezzar boys. <laughs> and I know uh, Evan Hansen being developed as a film. Mm-hmm. What's the timeline for you when you're like, you have to like opt out where you're like, I can't pull that off anymore. Um, I think it would either have to materialize in this next beginning of this next year, like when we finish the second season yeah. or, or I would have to let it go. I mean, I think I already feel all sorts of insecurity about the age of it all, but right. I think it's too special of a thing to yeah. immortalize uh, if it does come together. And I think I would just have to forgive myself for not being a kid and just get in touch with that character again. And I think everybody would I'm forgive going, me. I'm going, you shave the spirit. You knock yeah. off six years immediately. Yeah, it gets, it gets, it helps. And I get a little, you know, a little wafy and eat like a bird for a couple of weeks <laughs> and, uh, you know, wear some baggy clothes and cast a bunch of people around me who are similarly, you know, pretend 18. And right. Gotta see suffers for our art, our benefit folks. Yeah. Um, is there any worry about like quote, quote typecast for, musical stuff like to like do stuff that isn't in that vein obviously that's not the politician exactly but right um you know you don't want to be a one note actor of course i mean i think i'm always looking to do as diverse of a roster of stuff as possible yeah. and i would love to do things that have no musical component but i'm also a big proponent of i want to work with people who really want to work with me and like yeah. all the stuff that's worked out the best so far for me has been things that were very collaborative. Like I've never really gone in and booked something like on a tape or in a, in a sort of regular audition setting. It's always been like, because of a couple random no's leading to a, an actual like meeting collaboration where someone wants to do something very specifically for me. Cause I think I kind of am a specific animal, Mm -hmm. if you will. So I'm, uh, I'm not into really like chasing those film roles that I think a lot of my contemporaries are just cause I'm not, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of things that I can do that I, I can fill very specifically with my own sure. space, and then those things hopefully will come when they come. Or is there any outside of movie, uh, outside of musicals, like uh, genre-wise in, in film or TV that you're obsessed I with? Into would I'm dying to do a Wes Anderson movie before I leave oh, this earth yeah. because I just the detached you would fit into that. World. I think yes. so too. Yes. I think <laughs> I think it's really up my alley, yeah. and you know, I'm dying to dying to do something like that. I mean, I'd love to do like some sort of a rom-com sweet something like yeah. I love set it up that Zoe did yeah. and like that energy of like the old kind of classic rom-com that's situation. the other guy that's a, about to blow up Glenn Powell he's awesome amazing right? he's amazing and they're so good together their chemistry is amazing yeah um, oh, what's the uh, favorite Wes Anderson film ooh I kind of I kind of love Grand Budapest I mean I, I, Moonrise Kingdom's pretty amazing and um our dear Gwyneth, uh, you know, oh, Royal Tenenbaums. Yes. I mean, Margot Tenenbaum in general. <laughs> An icon. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. Something about Grand Budapest is like so unbelievably sweet and also like gorgeous. Yeah. And, I don't know. And Ray finds it so amazing. Totally. I have uh, my next podcast I'm doing is with Willem Dafoe, frequent Wes Anderson collaborator. And we had Bob in our, uh, our oh, midst right. too. So we had a couple of Wes folks in our politician world. It's meant to be. It'll happen soon enough, I'm sure. Um, you're a very busy guy, and I appreciate you spending 40, 40, 40 or 45 minutes with me yeah, today. Yeah, no problem. Uh, congratulations on all, all the success. on the uh, Check out the album, which is out, obviously. Sing to me instead, yes, indeed. There you go. And uh, Politician, now streaming on Netflix, as if you could avoid it. I Why know. <laughs> um, and uh, you, you're working on so many great things. I know we'll talk again soon. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 